Good morning, friends. Today is Saturday, the 25th of January, 2020. We've got a lot of ground to cover today. I hope that you're happy and excited about that like I am. If not, sorry. We are going to read um, because I don't want to fall out of the rhythm and revelation of the season of, of Epiphany. We're going to read um, the regular readings for the Saturday of the second week of, of Epiphany. And then we're also going to read the special readings to commemorate the conversion of St. Paul. So we're kind of doubling up today. So saddle up and giddy up. <laughs> Our readings are Psalms 30 and 32, Genesis 12, 9 through 13, 1, and Hebrews 7, 18 through 28. Those are the readings for Epiphany. The readings for the conversion of St. Paul are Psalm 19, Isaiah 45, 18 through 25, and Philippians 3, 4b through 11. From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name shall be great among the nations, and in every place incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the nations, says our God of hosts. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. God has shown forth her glory. Come, let us adore them. Be joyful in God, all you lands. Serve God with gladness and come before their presence with a song. Know this, she herself is God. She herself has made us and we are hers. We are her people and the sheep of her pasture. Enter her gates with thanksgiving. Go into her courts with praise. Give thanks to her and call upon her name. For God is good, her mercy is everlasting and her faithfulness endures from age to age. God has shown forth her glory. Come, let us adore her. We're going to read Psalms 30 and 32 first. We're going to kind of read the readings in two sets, right? Like, so first the set that goes with Epiphany, maybe a little discussion, then the set that goes with the conversion of St. Paul and maybe a little discussion. So first up are Psalms 30 and 32.
I will extol you, O God, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O God, you brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to God, O you, her faithful ones, and give thanks to her holy name, for her anger is but for a moment. Her favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O God, you had established me as a strong mountain. You hid your face, and I was dismayed. To you, O God, I cried, and to God I made supplication. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O God, and be gracious to me. O God, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O God, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Psalm 32. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom God imputes no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. While I kept silence, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to God, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like a horse or mule without understanding, whose temper must be curbed with bit and bridle, else it will not stay near you. Many are the torments of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in God. Be glad in God and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Isaiah, chapter 45, verses 18 through 25. Oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the one for St. Paul. We're reading from Genesis chapter 12, verse 9, through chapter, chapter 13, verse 1. And Abram journeyed on by stages toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to reside there as an alien, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, 
I know well that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared on your account. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. When the officials of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female slaves, female donkeys, and camels. But God afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and be gone. And Pharaoh gave his men orders concerning him, and they set him on the way, with his wife and all that he had. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him, into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. He journeyed on by stages from the Negev as far as Bethel the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called on the name of God. Now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, and I have read way too far. Please forgive me. I was supposed to stop after Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him into the Negev. Please forgive me for stealing some thunder from tomorrow. <laughs> Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle 12, A Song of Creation Glorify God, all you works of God. Sing praise and give honor forever. In the high vault of heaven, glorify God. Sing praise and give honor forever. Glorify God, you angels and all powers of God, O heavens and all waters above the heavens, sun and moon and stars of the sky, glorify God. Sing praise and give honor forever. Glorify God, every shower of rain and fall of dew, all winds and fire and heat. Winter and summer, glorify God. Sing praise and give honor forever. Glorify God, O chill and cold, drops of dew and flakes of snow. Frost and cold, ice and sleet, glorify God. Sing praise and give honor forever. Glorify God, O nights and days, O shining light and enfolding dark. Storm clouds and thunderbolts, glorify God. Sing praise and give honor forever. Let the earth glorify God, 
Sing praise and give honor forever. Glorify God, O mountains and hills, and all that grows upon the earth. Sing praise and give honor forever. Glorify God, O springs of water, seas and streams, O whales and all that move in the waters. All birds of the air, glorify God. Sing praise and give honor forever. Glorify God, O beasts of the wild, and all you flocks and herds. O men and women everywhere, glorify God. Sing praise and give honor forever. Let the people of God glorify God. Sing praise and give honor forever. Glorify God, O priests and servants of God. Sing praise and give honor forever. Glorify God, O spirits and souls of the righteous. Sing praise and give honor forever. You that are holy and humble of heart, glorify, the go glorify God. Sing praise and give honor forever. Let us glorify God, Creator, Incarnate, and Holy Spirit. Sing praise and give honor forever. In the high vault of heaven, glorify God. Sing praise and give honor forever. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Hebrews, chapter 7, verses 18 through 28. There is, on the one hand, the abrogation of an earlier commandment, because it was weak and ineffectual, for the law made nothing perfect. There is, on the other hand, the introduction of a better hope through which we approach God. This was confirmed with an oath, for others who became priests took their office without an oath, but this one became a priest with an oath because of the one who said to him, God has sworn and will not change her mind, you are a priest forever. Accordingly, Jesus has also become the guarantee of a better covenant. Furthermore, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able for all time to save those who approach God through him, since he always lives to make an intercession for them. For it was fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, blameless, undefiled, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he has no need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for all of the people. This he did once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests those who are subject to weakness, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle D, A Song of the Wilderness. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. They shall see the glory of God, 
the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weary hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to the anxious, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God coming with judgment to save you. Then shall the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf be unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break, shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The ransomed of God shall return with singing with everlasting joy upon their heads. Joy and gladness shall be theirs and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity. One God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. So let's talk briefly about, I know you guys are laughing. You're like, like you ever talk briefly, Jacob. Um, let's, let's try and talk briefly about the reading. So I think what is most interesting to me about the Psalms is that when read in this particular order, along with the ones that we have been reading from Epiphany, we see um, a progression here. We move from psalmist crying out for rescue to the psalmist asking for and giving thanks for receiving healing and restoration, and then to the psalmist asking for and giving thanks for receiving learning and wisdom. And I think that we show that progression over and over. It's part of the beautiful cycle of co cooperative creation with God. Um, I guess I could just say cooperative co-creation with God. That probably makes a little more sense that way. Um, but that we, you know, we enter into the time of trial and distress, which by the way, let's reiterate, God does not bring upon us, but the world in which God gave us free will brings to us and in that time of strife and distress we cry out to God for rescue and all these things are kind of going on at the same time because we we remember God's rescue and we are being rescued metaphysically soul speaking even in the middle of our worldly distress and as that rescue begins to be apparent in our circumstance, well, or maybe not in our circumstance, as we begin to be aware of the rescue, I guess, we kind of start evolving into a place where we're asking for healing from the wounds that we received in the first phase, right? And restoration, restoration, and I say this all the time, so forgive me for saying it again, not back to what we wore, but into what we were created to be. And then as, as our wounds are becoming healed and we're evolving into the next evolution of ourselves, or the next transformation, we start really reaping the wisdom and the learning and the compassion and the experience of all of these events. And it isn't like a clear step-by-step, -step, but I do believe that it follows. And, and I love how the liturgy... Um, or, I'm sorry, the lectionary arranges the Psalms so we can see this through Epiphany. So, you know, God is revealing God's self to us in deeper and deeper revelation, just as we are being transformed and also restored to our 
heavenly, our holy selves, I guess maybe would be the way to say that better. Um, so these things are like they're enmeshed and parallel and running together. We're knowing ourselves more deeply. We're becoming ourselves more deeply. We're knowing Christ more deeply and we are becoming Christ more deeply. And I just, I think that's pretty amazing. So I think that's what I'm going to say about the Psalms today. I'm not going to go through them line by line, but of course I always, as always, I recommend you do. Um, then in our Old Testament reading, what I want to say about this is two things. Twice here, Abraham's journey is described as being taken by stages. And that really harkens back to what we just talked about in the Psalms and the way that I personally believe epiphany, transformation, and holiness work by stages. And again, it's not always like clear cut and linear. I know, I know. We keep having to give up that formula that would be so just reassuring if we had that formula to cling to. Step A plus step B gets you to step C, right? But no, (laughs) at any rate though, it is stage by stage. It's not completely straight and it's not all in one leg. It has, it definitely has phases. And so I, I think that's important to see here. And then I think the other thing that's important to see here is that Abraham chose to lie out of fear. And as we've talked about repeatedly, choices made from a place of fear and perceived scarcity, which is where Abraham was. He's afraid of the, he's afraid of what Pharaoh is going to, going to do to get Sarah as to be his wife. And he's afraid of starving from the famine. So perceived scarcity of, of food, basic sustenance, right? And, and I mean, and probably actual scarcity too, but, um, not trusting in providence and following the way of God to get him and his family fed, right? So he turns away from God and God's way and turns to like this, trying to, through his human, um, craftiness, wiles, get what he and his family need. So it's a move made out of, out of desperation, but it's the wrong move. I think we can clearly agree on that. And it works for a hot minute, sort of, because I'm sure that Sarah and Abraham are both pretty distressed with her being married to somebody else. And that's definitely not within God's will. So I don't, you know, I really struggle with where it says things like God afflicted Pharaoh and his house. I don't really think that God reaches down and causes the plagues, but I think God uses the plagues and I'm not sure what the source is. You know what I mean? Like, I can't really peel that one back. So may the Holy Spirit grant us more wisdom and understanding than I have on that subject. Um, But I think this part's for certain. God uses the plagues to awaken Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is like, and, and I think it's very interesting, like, it kind of really skips over. how Pharaoh connects the plagues to his having 
married Sarah, how he figures out that Sarah is Abraham's wife. Like it just kind of glosses over that part. Um, but suffice it to say, it is clear that God uses the plagues to awaken Pharaoh to his sin. And Pharaoh's response is to cut off the sin. And then I think it's very interesting that Pharaoh doesn't, he doesn't like execute Abraham for lying to him. He even lets Abraham go with all that stuff he gave him, all the wealth of, unfortunately, slaves and livestock and all of this wealth. So I think this is very interesting that Pharaoh shows no vindictiveness here. And, and perhaps that speaks to how Pharaoh might have shown generosity. I mean, if, if Pharaoh is not reprising against Abraham for lying to him, or maybe reprising is the wrong word, if, if Pharaoh is not reacting against Abraham for lying to him, then maybe he wouldn't have taken gruesome <laughs> means to make Sarah his wife. We don't really know what the other choice would have been, but I think the hint here is that there is some generosity in Pharaoh and a desire to do the right thing. Because he didn't, when he found out that Abraham and Sarah were married, he didn't choose ugly, unlawful, and sinful means to make it right. He could have said, kind of like David did, oh my goodness, well, I've got to just get rid of Abraham because then Sarah will be a widow instead of married and everything will be okay. Instead, he reunited, restored the couple and sent them and their family on their way. Our New Testament reading from Hebrews continues with the description of Jesus as the forever priest. So it talks about the law not making anything perfect. And remember from our commentary in the last section we read, perfection here, I'm quoting, perfection here refers specifically to the complete and decisive cleansing of the conscience of the worshiper and the fitting of him or her to enter into the full and real presence of God. So it says, the law didn't do this. The law was not able to achieve the complete and decisive cleansing of the conscience of the worshiper. The law wasn't able to make the worshiper holy to enter into the presence of God but Jesus does this Jesus is the introduction of the better hope through which we approach God as we talked about yesterday Jesus clears the way Jesus makes us holy and then I'm not sure where the quote comes from. God has sworn and will not change God's mind. 
you are a priest forever. But the point that's being made here is that Jesus is enduring. The priests in the order of Melchizedek were mortal. But Jesus lives forever. And so the holiness that is found through Jesus, the life that is found through Jesus is also forever. And Jesus is different than the other priests in a very important and special way. He has no need to atone for himself and atone for others. He is quite simply the revelation of God and the conduit of God's salvation. He really is the word incarnate who came and dwelt among us and who prepared the way. And we who follow after Jesus are different than the priests who were born and into the lineage of Melchizedek in that or I'm sorry, I keep saying Melchizedek, but it's Levi, it's the descendants of Levi that was the inherited priesthood. So please forgive me, just in your mind, go back and insert Levi instead of Melchizedek. Um, But what I'm trying to say here is that it is a different inheritance. And it's an inheritance of holiness that doesn't come through blood and doesn't come through, through works but comes through faith. And I believe that just as the Holy Spirit, just, just as the Holy Spirit supplants whatever we need in this world that we're missing, um, I'm sorry, whatever we need that we appear to be missing in this world, not that the Holy Spirit supplies in this world. Um, so for example, like if I don't have the words to speak, when I'm praying to God, the Holy Spirit intercedes on my behalf and translates my words and speaks, transforms the words that I have misspoken and supplies the words that I am missing. And um, just as, as the Holy Spirit does that with my prayers and so many other things, you know, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, love, how many times have we felt love depleted and the Spirit helps us to love. But anyway, um, so also does the spirit with belief because there are times when I believe, but help my unbelief, right? And the Holy Spirit steps in and provides that too. So we're inclined sometimes to put this qualification on it. Like all you need is faith, but you really have to believe like you can't, you can't be holding anything back. You can't have any doubt. It has to be like pure belief. That's just like putting more law on ourselves. It's describing it differently, but it's the same kind of thing. It's conditional. No, you come to God with whatever you have and God makes it enough. Praise God and amen. Okay, so now we are going to do the special readings for 
the conversion of St. Paul. All right, our special readings for the conversion of St. Paul are Psalm 19, Isaiah 45, 18 through 25, and Philippians 3, 4b through 11. Psalm 19. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims God's handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not yet heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens God has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from, from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit is to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of God is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of God are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of God are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of God is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of God is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of God are true and righteous altogether. Much more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity. One God, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. A reading from the Hebrew scripture, Isaiah chapter 45, verses 18 through 25. For thus says God, who created the heavens. She is God, who formed the earth and made it. She established it. She did not create it a chaos, but formed it to be inhabited. I am God, and there is no other. I did not speak in secret in a land of darkness. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, Seek me in chaos. I, God, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Assemble yourselves and come together. Draw near, you survivors of the nations. They have no knowledge, those who carry about their wooden idols and keep on praying to a God that cannot save. Declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared it of old? Was it not I, God? There is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is no one besides me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. 
By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone forth in righteousness, a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Only in God it shall be said of me, our righteousness and strength. All who were incensed against God shall come to God and be ashamed. In God all the offspring of Israel shall triumph in glory. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle O, A Song of the Heavenly City I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the God of surpassing strength and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to light it, for the glory of God shines on it, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light the nations shall walk, and the rulers of the world lay their honor and glory there. Its gates shall never be shut by day, nor shall there be any night. Into it they will bring the honor and glory of nations. I saw the clean river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. The tree of life spanned the river, giving fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of nations. All curses cease where the throne of God and the Lamb stand, and all servants give worship there. There they will see God's face, whose name shall be on their foreheads. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forever. Amen. A reading from Philippians chapter 3, verse 4b through 11. Through 11. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my God. For Christ's sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of Christ's resurrection and the sharing of Christ's sufferings by becoming like Christ in Christ's death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Let's affirm our faith together with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, 
who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, who descended to the dead, who on the third day rose again, who ascended into heaven, who is seated at the right hand of our Creator in heaven, who will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. God be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Our Creator in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your queendom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For thine is the queendom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Show us your mercy, O God, and grant us your salvation. Clothe your ministers with righteousness. Let your people sing with joy. Give peace, O God, in all the world, for only in you can we live in safety. God, keep this nation under your care and guide us in the way of justice and truth. Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. Let not the needy, O God, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and sustain us with your Holy Spirit. Almighty God, who after the creation of the world rested from all your works and sanctified a day of rest for all your creatures, grant that we, putting away all earthly anxieties, may be duly prepared for the service of your sanctuary, and that our rest here upon earth may be a preparation for the eternal rest promised to your people in heaven. Through Jesus Christ, our God. Amen. O God, the author of peace and the lover of concord, to know you as eternal life and to serve you as perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through the might of Jesus Christ, our God. Amen. Heavenly Creator, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of our life, we may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, our God. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, by whose Spirit the whole body of your faithful people is governed and sanctified, receive our supplications and prayers which we offer before you, for all members of your holy church, that in their vocation and ministry they may truly and devoutly serve you. Through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We've been a bit discombobulated. I've been a bit discombobulated today, folks. And actually, tomorrow as I'm recording this, I only got the first part through... Um, the daily readings for the Saturday done yesterday and then here I am on Sunday night 
recording the readings for um, yesterday morning for the observance of St. Paul's conversion. And um, forgive me for that, as always, doing the best I can. Glad that you're here with me. I think what's so important for us to gather from the readings for for St. Paul today is really the same thread connected through what we've been reading for Epiphany, that God reveals God's self to all of us, that it is not it's not a knowledge that's reserved for for any in particular and you know paul would have been counted both most and least likely right because paul was among the pharisees and and the i guess what we would call today like the enfranchised right he had power and authority and lineage and and so thus was seen to be a wise and knowledgeable person. I think we can make that assumption. So on that hand, um, if there was new knowledge to be had, one would assume or perhaps that he had it or would be granted it. But at the same time, it, it wasn't like open-mindedness was really a thing, right? And the wisdom and knowledge and revelation of Christ so rocked the very foundations of the world that Paul's whole community and faith lineage and heritage and all that stuff was built on that really he would have been one of the least likely, right? Completely opposite side of things. And yet here Paul is not just having been awakened and in such a drastic way, too, you know, is the story of um, Paul being struck blind and then reawakened, so to speak. Um, so in this very drastic way, and then becomes one of the great teachers of, of Christ's way. And he, in our reading here from Philippians, puts it, quite clearly that it's not through any of these things that granted him power and authority and place in his previous life, but it is through Christ and Christ alone that he has any hope of eternal life, of resurrection. And I think that we can glean from this that it really doesn't matter what labels we wore before, in knowing Christ, we are all one. We are beloved of Christ. We are equals. We all come to, no matter so no matter where we came from, we all come to faith the same way. God's love is the same for all of us. Redemption and heaven and eternal life. They're not hierarchical, they're not patriarchal, <laughs> they're not any of those things, but they are searching for a word here, folks, please forgive me, 
more than egalitarian, but I think boundless is probably a great word. Um, without, without bounds. So in all meanings, without limits, without um, categorization, without hierarchy, without any of that stuff, just boundless and overflowing. And it looks different just as it as the revelation of God has looked different to us as we've experienced it through the eyes of the different characters and historical figures that we've been learning about in Epiphany. It is the same source and it is the same culmination. And I hope that kind of makes sense to us today. But at any rate, thank you for listening and thank you for being here with me. And I ask your prayers, please. And you have mine for sure. So now is a good time to pause the recording and lift up prayers and definitely give thanks for for Epiphany and for Paul and all of the disciples, especially perhaps um, those that aren't as named or well described as, as Paul. We get to hear a lot from Paul. And I think that it's my prayer in this season that the Holy Spirit would guide us to some epiphanies through lesser known characters. And as always, may the Holy Spirit themselves be the ultimate guide for us as we read the word and as we discuss together and as we pray. Amen. Almighty God, creator of all mercies, we, your unworthy collaborators, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by the grace of Jesus Christ, for the means of that grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips but in our lives by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. Glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. We live without fear, for our Creator has made us holy, has always protected us, and loves us as a good mother loves her children. We go now in peace to follow the good road, and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen.